So shall we kick into the uh, the regular suspects? Indeed, we, uh, we, yeah, we got a lot on today. The show notes kind of exploded this afternoon. <laughs> oh those. my goodness, yes, they did. Uh, one of those weird synergies where we were both sort of around at the same time and it just went bam. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so writing. Uh, well, yesterday, uh, my new Black Wings arrived. So the new volumes edition, mm-hmm. the te- 10,001. The pentagraphic. Uh, that's it, yeah. It's it's all very sort of Japanese mathematics. Mm. Uh, two subjects which really are not something I know anything about. Um, but as you've just hinted, the, the pencil is a, a pentagon rather than a hexagon, which would be the traditional sort of uh, black wing shape. It's, uh, it's, it's got a sort of funky lacquer. Uh, they call it red. <laughs> But it's yeah. uh, it's got a sort of browny red quality. It's almost like um, lipstick. Yeah, sort of lacquered furniture that used to get in the seventies. Um, but I mean that in in a positive way rather than a negative way, oh, which okay. is a bit odd. But uh, like uh, under the hood, it's a six oh two. So uh, it's a great pencil. What can I say? Um, and the more I hold it, and the more I use it, the more I like it. So oh, I'm, fair I'm, enough. I'm quite taken with it. I think it's going to be. A bit of a success, uh, and I—I I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, Johnny Gamba did a great review. No, I haven't seen uh, it yet. I haven't um, had a chance. Yeah, I'm—I was going to write a review, and I just—I just read his and went, "Oh, uh, Johnny's done it." <laughs> Sorry, so I just put a link <laughs> to his um, on Pencil Revolution. It was—it's uh, a really good review. Um, but yeah, I think these will fly. I think there's going to be a lot of these. We're—we're we're waiting for them to arrive in the UK. Um, the the wholesaler gets them, and then they come to us, and it's all. Very frustrating because clearly all the social media starts exploding and you see loads of American reviews and I've got customers that want them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you happy enough having Usual placed stuff. a large pre-order without knowing that that's what you got? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably confident that's going to gonna pay off. I mean, to be honest, a fairly safe bet with, uh, with Black Wings yeah. unless you order you know, <laughs> hundreds of them and it's desperately uh, uncomfortable. Then if... If I wait long enough, they'll sell. To yeah, me. fair enough. Uh, um, and I'm writing in, um, I think I've, I've sent you one of these before, a BOMO art pocket notebook um, from Budapest. Um, really nice dot page, amazing bright color that's sort of um, reminiscent of the Grand Hotel, Royal Budapest, all that stuff. I'm not trying to insinuate um, that you should send me more things, but I'm not sure you have. I haven't seen one before. All oh, right, okay. Well, we, we, we might have to get one of these in the next uh, Mercy package. Oh, okay, um, I do have one brewing. They're really you. nice. Uh, really nice. They've got beautiful flyleaf, um, uh, beautiful covers. And the paper for summary, I mean, the paper's great with anything, but it, for me, it works really, really well with, with Blackwing, with a sort of, you know, dark, okay. slightly good. softer pencil. It's lovely. Lovely. What about you? What are you uh, writing with and on? So I just finished a Cedar Point this morning, which went into my work stub jar, which is actually a milk bottle in my office. And I started on, well, I say started, I continued with a 602 that's been kicking around my office for about three months now. And I keep putting it in the classroom friendly, which means it has teeth marks all the way up and down it from the sharpener. uh, Mm -hmm. Because I do not bite my pencils because that is a sin. You should not do it. But uh, it's covered in these little like notches, which I find really annoying. Uh, So every time I hold it, it distracts me, so I want to I want to use it up by writing with it. So I'm writing with it a lot and sharpening it a lot, so that I can destroy mm-hmm. it and put it in a jar. 
and I'm writing mostly on paper scraps at the minute, uh, which doesn't sound too exciting. Uh, what I find is the busier I get, the less ritual and form my work takes in terms of uh, notes and things like that. You know, if I have a little bit more time, I'll spend in my, my field notes planner and I'll actually organize things and have my pocket notebook laid out nicely. The busier I get, the less time I have for those rituals. And, and perhaps that's the wrong way to look at it. But what I find is that the notes get scratchier, the paper gets less choice, and it's generally just whatever's to hand. So I sort of went through the pile that was on my desk this morning and binned maybe four or five idle pieces of paper that were shredded and torn and you know, scribbled notes on the back of something else, which I don't like to do, but it's just it's where my brain goes when I'm busy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's true of everyone, but the, I would warn against the the planner thing. If you can reserve that five minutes, um, yeah, I'm that trying to save you an hour. Yeah, and, and that hour is really really important when you're busy. If you know what I mean. I am really enjoying the planner. I have used it consistently, not every single day, but I do open it up at least once or twice at the start of the week, and then I refer to mm -hmm. it later on in the week to check things. So it is working. It's just the the adoption is more of a curve than a than a a switch so it's it's slowly being adopted rather than being integrated immediately there you go all right so um we've done writing and writing on so what are you watching so at the suggestion of a colleague i started watching lucifer which is on amazon prime mm -hmm. uh which is kind of like a i don't want to spoil it for anyone but the devil's in it shock horror <laughs> <laughs> it's very good it's very funny it's an interesting twist on a normal sort of format for a TV show, like the detective buddy cop kind of thing, um, like a procedural cop drama, but with Satan. So it's quite interesting. Um, I'm really enjoying it by three or four episodes in, and it's good. It's good writing, good solid production, and I think it gets bigger and better. So uh, it's based on a graphic novel. I know the graphic novel can be quite dark. I always enjoy stories that are unreservedly dark. I don't like whenever things pull their punches. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it. It's really good. And I think I'm going to keep watching. Okay. Well, that's a good sign. And are you watching that with Meg or are you watching that on your own? I'm watching that on my own. It doesn't really sound like Meg's cup of tea. She might watch it. But uh, part of the problem is we don't get an awful lot of time to watch stuff. And so if I waited for her, I'd never see anything. Sure. And she watches some real trash. <laughs> I'm sure she <laughs> speaks very highly of the stuff you watch too. Oh, she thinks science fiction is garbage. So, I mean, I love her despite that, but mm, it's tough. What about you? Nothing? No, I, uh, you know, a couple, couple of weeks in Cyprus, we were, we were just too busy to, to watch TV. It never even occurred to me, to be honest. So um, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't think I've even been tempted by anything. Today, I watched a little bit of YouTube, but we'll we'll come back to that later. Okay. Um, but no, uh, no TV at all. Um, all of my sort of reading and writing and listening, uh, all of that at the moment is focused on, on the play, my lines. Mm -hmm. um, so I've recorded it. I've recorded the play uh, with... A variety of funny accents, um, and I'm listening to that quite a lot, trying to get the words to go in because we're about five weeks away, I think. Okay, so you got a little bit of time. I thought it would have been that's fine. You're good. You'll learn it. Mm, yeah, I mean, it was scripts down yesterday at the rehearsal, um, and there was about four minutes of silence, and so it was scripts up again. <laughs> Whoops. And 
yeah, it's it's really difficult for the director to to get you to do anything when you're focused on you know looking at the lines on a piece of paper or in the book. Yeah. Um, so it, to be honest, this happens in every production I've ever done. There's a sort of sense of impending doom and panic, <laughs> probably mostly for the director, but also for all the cast. Um, and yet walking to work this morning, I was kind of, I was almost word perfect on, on act one, but then I did have the words being played in my ears. <laughs> Somewhat of a prompt. Um, you know, if you're singing along a song yeah. that's playing, you know, all the words, but if it's not playing, you maybe don't know them quite so well. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that before. Uh, yeah. So we'll, we, we will see. We will see. Um, what about you? Are you reading anything? Um, I, well, reading is a strong term. I've been listening to audiobooks, and we're going to count that as such. Um, I've just finished a book that I've been listening to on and off at the recommendation of a friend called Bird Box by Josh Mallerman, uh, which is kind yeah, of... what's that? Oh, it's very, very good. I literally finished it this morning, and I loved every single second of it. Um, again, I don't like giving away the plots to things. I don't want to give you too many of the plot points, but essentially uh, it's from the perspective of a woman who finds out she's pregnant and at the same time the news starts reporting all these weird happenings in Russia and this gradually moves to Alaska and then across the states uh, where people are seeing something and this something causes them to go mad and it's it's very interesting style of prose and this kind of documents what happens with this sort of worldwide crisis and how it develops and there's a lot of time jumping in it um, again I'm trying very hard not to give away any plot points it's mm. A book that I would never have picked on my own, and it's actually a, a friend of Meg's, uh, who I've become friends with, recommended it to me. Just she reads an awful lot and said, oh, I, "I really like this one. Give it a go." And I thought, "Okay, that sounds like a good recommendation." Bought it, listened to it. It wasn't that long, maybe seven hours or so, and it was fantastic. A really solid book okay. that I would never have found on my own. So, um, and is it is it on Audible? You it's on Audible. Yeah, that's where I find it. That's where I listen to it. Okay, well, I've got a few credits there, so yeah. I might, might pick that one up, TJ. Something different. Another TJ recommendation. <laughs> very, very visceral. So a lot of the characters spend a lot of time with their eyes closed. So there's a lot of description of things. It's, mm-hmm. it's a fundamentally different book than a lot of the others I've ever read. And I really enjoyed. Uh, the author obviously gave himself a challenge when he wrote it. You know, write a certain way or write a certain style. And it's consistent mm-hmm. and it's it's very well written. And uh, yeah, this morning, I walking into work, finishing the last 20 minutes of it, and just, I finished in Botanic Park in Belfast. I was on my morning walk. And Perfect. it was just a wonderful, you know, finale to the book. And just, oh, everything was great. If it's that, if you like that kind of thing, give it a listen, or even try a sample, or even read the synopsis and see what you think. If it's your kind of thing, it's really good. Yeah, I will definitely look that one out because it, uh, it just sounds intriguing more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, drinking, we both we both went a bit sort of, ooh, I went for coffee. You've gone for latte. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to not drink lattes because there's a lot of milk in them, but uh, I missed lunch yesterday and the saving grace was that I had a large latte in the middle of the day when I was out getting something from the opticians and it was just, oh, it was marvellous. Yeah, I, th- I think... A latte for lunch. That's a that's a reasonable substitute. <laughs> so yeah, it's just um, I'm I'm trying very hard. I had a flat white this morning, so I'm trying to wean myself off the milk again and go back to you know Americana with a dash of milk. 
but uh very good it is enjoyable we're, we're both gonna live forever you realize <laughs> podcast episode 1512 <laughs> they're still talking about pencils <laughs> which have now been um, defunct for 112 years <laughs> exactly they're all antiques um Okay, well, before we move on to uh, the main topic, which uh, we've we've avoided talking about uh, listening thus far, yeah. there's a hint, everybody. Um, a whole load of parish notices uh, this evening because I was away, so mm-hmm. uh, I came back to a full mailbox, which is very exciting. Uh, so I'm going to try and reasonably quickly go through these. Uh, we had a postcard from somebody called Alexander. I'm afraid I don't know any more than that. Um, I'm guessing that Alexander is from uh, North America somewhere because they were on vacation. And most Europeans yeah. wouldn't be on vacation. We'd be on holiday. Hollybobs. Um, in in Apiano, in the Sud Tirol. Um, and I was I was minded to start singing The Sound of Music. Um, it looked beautiful. <laughs> it looked gorgeous. Uh, so that was very nice, little little pretty pic- picture postcard, which is going up on the notice board at uh, Pocket Notebook Towers. Very good. Um, we had another card from our regular correspondent, uh, Robert Killington, uh, who's also uh, a top customer of Nero's Notes. So uh, somebody that I've got a lot of time for, funnily mm-hmm. enough. Um, and he has uh, exult- exhorted us to uh, to join... This has got to be the longest website name that I've seen for a long time. <laughs> www.thehandwrittenappreciationsociety.org. Handwritten letter. Uh, I, I say, try, try and say that after a pint. The Handwritten, the handwritten letter, letter Appreciation, appreciation Society.org. Society. <laughs> um, I've signed up for it. Um, uh, it's it's a, a whole five pounds uh, in the UK, six pounds fifty if you're a European person, and seven pounds fifty for the rest of the world. Um, for which you get uh, well all sorts of funky stuff. Go go and check it out. It's it is what it says it is, um, and clearly it's going to be something that I'm going to support because I love writing letters. Um, then we had uh, another letter from Davis Ho, who I've now declared is our Hong Kong correspondent. Excellent. Uh, Davis isn't aware of this yet, but um, <laughs> he'll hear this soon enough. Um, and he was talking about how he doesn't often buy fountain pens anymore, preferring to spend his money on buying liquors and liqueurs. Uh, so the minute we finish recording, uh, TJ and I jump on a plane over to Hong Kong, uh, cocktails all round. Perfect. So China was wonderful, um, but I never got to go to Hong Kong. So it's on my list. If it comes up for another work trip, I will be jumping up and down to get to go. Yep, I'm, I'm the same. I've not been to Hong Kong. I spent some time in Singapore. Big fan of that. Um, and I, I believe that Hong Kong is similar. Um, very exciting, sort of multicultural mul- melting pot. Mm-hmm. Just my just my cup of chow. Interesting question, liqueur. though. What's um, the difference between a liqueur and a liquor? Well... Um, a liquor, and I could be wrong here, I'm sure there'll be some mixologists who may be able to help us out here, but a liquor is, um, I think we would probably call it a spirit Okay. Uh, in the UK. So uh, scotch, gin, um, vodka, rum, that type of thing. Whereas a liqueur it often has a spirit in it. So um, thinking of one that we might, uh, Drambuie. Oh, like sort that of liqueur Kahlua made from and Scotch. stuff like that. Um, Baileys. Quite often very sweet. Lots of sugar. Okay. Um, 
but I think in terms of uh, inebriation, they they both work exactly the same. Um, and generally in cocktails, I think you have a bit of both. Uh, any mixologist, feel free to correct that. I'm <laughs> more than happy to be corrected. Uh, we had another letter from Mark Abbott, um, who's, uh, as I've written the show notes, he's he's uh, on the mean streets of Woking uh, here in southern England, um, which is not not really a, a fair reflection. Woking is a very nice place. Um, <laughs> who's, uh, who's put Belfast on his visit list? The... Um, the PR drive's working, CJ. Brilliant. I'll get the, the council on the payroll now. I, I would imagine so. That I'm sure there's uh, there'll be thousands of pounds coming your way um, <laughs> in, in royalties alone. Um, but he did have a question for us, which was, uh, I he he's sort of um, similar to me. He puts his pocket notebook sort of naked in his pocket. Um, and so he was saying that, you know, a lot of pens and pencils are not terribly practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think we've probably covered. I think we did an episode called EDC, did we not? Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's more in there definitely to be talked about, but we touched mm, on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose the short answer is, yeah, I do carry a pencil case in my bag, which is where I put things like black wings. Um, but I also am a big fan of what I call sort of specialized EDC pens. Yeah. So that might be Fisher Bullets or Schoen Design. Um, or even, you know, little small clutch pencils, the Koh-i-Noor is one. Yeah, a clutch um, pencil is probably your best bet if you want to carry a nice pencil, uh, or if you're willing to adopt a more formalized attire, then a, a jacket with a top pocket is very useful for pencils and pens. Well, there you are. That That is taking taking things to an extreme, suddenly putting a suit on so you can carry a pencil. Or just a suit jacket, a sports coat, if you will. A sports coat. This this is tying in with with a a theory that I'm going to hit you with later. Okay. Just remember that you use the phrase sports coat. Okay, I'll write it down in right. show notes. Sports coat. Okay. Um, still on the parish notices, we also had um, a lovely letter from Tamsin Carey, uh, who's from Bristol, uh, the beautiful Bristol. Uh, I should probably, in uh, in the spirit of balance, reveal that I was born in Bristol, so it's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> Um, and she uh, put me on to, or put us on to, uh, a site called R- Writing Room Lime, and that's L-Y-M-E at the end, uh, which is a, a lovely little place, Lime Regis, down in Dorset, um, and, and gave us a picture of it, which I'm, I'm not sure I've sent you, TJ, I will. It's absolutely beautiful, sort of um, writing materials and pens just set out in this lovely, lovely shop. And I got really excited um, and then logged on and the retail shop is closed. Oh. Uh, the the online store lives on, um, but it's a competitor of Nero's Notes, so I'm never going to speak to it again. Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. It looks like a lovely little shop um, selling some really nice gear, um, some really nice pens, uh, and also uh, personalized stationery. You know, like wedding stationery and stuff like that. Just looks really, really nice. I'm going to dig into that one a little bit further. Um, and then the final one from me, uh, I will shut up eventually because I know everybody's getting bored of hearing me now, um, is a mea culpa. It's an apology. Uh, in Notebooks 2, which I think was oh, three episodes ago, perhaps. Yeah, about like that. that. Um, I mentioned a new listener in 
Israel uh, and said that I wouldn't mention his name because I hadn't asked his permission to do so. Um, and she uh, then <laughs> sent me a letter saying, I'm not a he, which is a fair thing to do. Uh, but also, I think, very gently nudging me and asking me why why had I assumed that she might be masculine. Um, I had a little think about that. I sort of did the, the middle-aged man guilty thing. Am I secretly a sexist <laughs> sort of conversation? All went on in my head. Um, I don't think I am. But I suppose if I was, I wouldn't know it. Uh, I had a 50-50 chance in my defence. Um, but no, it's a fair point. I had assumed that it was a, was a man because I didn't know the name, um, and it's not. Uh, Shiri is uh, is the lady's name, mm-hmm. uh, and she then sort of broadened out the topic and asked about um, the sort of stationary business as a whole, uh, whether there was a sort of gender um, split or or bias, if you like. Um, my understanding of that is that industry-wide, if you look at stationery as uh, a segment, more stationery is bought by women than men. Uh, women yeah. are said to make up 70% of the stationery industry sales. I could believe that. And that, obviously, that will vary wildly across different sort of subsections. Um, but overall, the industry considers that 70% of its business is... Uh, female pocket notebooks as was no Nero's notes uh, when I took it over was almost exactly 50 50 men and women Uh, I spoke to some social media advisors uh, when I took the company over um, and we we printed off all of the uh, the statistics that the various social media things do so Instagram and Facebook and Twitter um, and and they all sort of looked at it incredulously and said I've never seen this before. You're not 5149. You are 5050 on every channel. <laughs> um, I just sort of smiled and tried to look intelligent. Um, I believe we're still at that, just sort of anecdotally looking at the orders that come through each day. Um, but um, I have to concede that I've, I've stopped really looking at the analytics, um, partly because I was never quite certain what I was supposed to do with them. Um, you know, if you look at a whole pile of analytics and go, oh, well, 62% of my customers are women. What does that mean? Am I going to try and change the way that I advertise or am I going to try and change the way that I appeal? More pink pencils. Um, That's obviously what they want. Well, I mean, pink pencils appears to be what everybody wants, (laughs) regardless of gender. Um, You you could argue that black women have put two pink ones in a row. Yeah, Um, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I remember there was the huge fallout from the Field Notes thing, the um, Field Notes Abercrombie Fitch mm-hmm. um, collaboration, where they it was interpreted that they had gendered notebooks, you know, these are for girls and these are for boys. Um, and people were understandably quite uncomfortable with that. Some people were very angry about that, in fact. Um, and... Uh, I don't want to turn this into a to an advert for Nero's notes or anything, but my my thinking really about the the company and its um, its message is uh, we kind of we have really nice stationery here. It is you want to come buy it? It's cool. Um, I, yeah, that's about the extent of my marketing. I've, I've, <laughs> I I don't look at the analytics anymore. I don't print them. Um, I, I don't feed them into 
uh, you know, what time shall I tweet this or tweet that? You know, uh, I think you can get lost in that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't think it works anymore. I don't think there's any need now to try and appeal to one gender or one race or one subsection. Um, I think the people that sell that stuff um, make it sound a lot more important than perhaps it is. Um, we're about being us and, you know, people will either like that or they won't. And that's fine. You know, that's how the world works. Yeah, I mean, I think you see it more as well, that kind of marketing around Mother's Day and Father's Day. You know, Father's Day mm. has just passed and it's all tools and beer and all these kind of very extremely masculine tropes. And that's what all dads are. That's what dads want. That's what dads do. And so your dad must fit into this bracket. And then Mother's Day rolls around and it's oh, flowers and roses and delicate and perfume and, and chocolates. And this is what a mother is. And it's very... It's very strange. I, I typically don't buy uh, cards for Mother's and Father's Day. I'll get them made from um, like Moonpig or something because at least then mm-hmm. I can just design it and it'll be the thing I want. Um, sure. But this year, for whatever reason, I didn't have time to do that. And so I went to buy a card for my dad for Father's Day and I just wanted something that wouldn't be obnoxious because I'm just going to write it, a little letter inside it for him. That's, that's the real meaning behind it. The outside mm-hmm. is almost irrelevant. But trying to find one that wasn't just obnoxious with kind of tropes <laughs> and like ah beer farting this kind ah dad's football yeah I'm like I don't know that's just not that's not the man who raised me I don't want that no that doesn't give me something as plain as possible that just looks nice done mm. and just having having done that recently the it is alive and well in certain districts and it is annoying as it ever was yeah for sure I mean I think you know uh, near as notes, we don't do Father's Day specials. We don't do Mother's Day specials. We don't have, you know, um, girly section. We don't have Boise section. Um, and, you know, so, some of our biggest uh, customers and biggest fans are people that are the exact opposite of those tropes that you talk about. Yeah. Um, which is great. I mean, I, I think that's the way the world is. And, and the, the whole sort of marketing nonsense is just that. It's just nonsense. It'd be interesting to see um, with the the GDPR thing and how that kind of changes mm-hmm. how people view their own privacy, whether it's it's not about you targeting anymore because they're taking that information away from you. You don't have those analytics and it's just, oh, we make products and we care about, you know, having a good relationship with our customers and anything beyond that is not important to what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's strange. I mean, if, if I was trying to think of companies that are sort of modern and, uh, you know, and out there... You know, Shopify, uh, not Shopify, what am I talking about Shopify? Spotify, um, which for reasons that will become clear, um, I signed up for today. <laughs> um, they wanted to know my gender. Now, okay, they gave me three options. They gave me uh, male, female, or non-binary. But I, I found that quite odd that they would ask that um, because I would consider them probably to be to be younger, to be more in tune with with a world that's sort of moved past that. But yeah. Maybe there's a reason for it. I don't know. It's just an observation that I make in passing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, finally, sorry, Sherry, I shouldn't have assumed that you were a man, um, particularly as you're not. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for raising it because it did make me think, and I do like thinking now and again. Uh, Sherry also has one heck of a, a pen habit. I'm a little bit worried for her. Um <laughs> She has, I think, a collection of possibly 250 
uh, fountain pens. Um, and her latest discovery is uh, an Instagram account called, and I looked this one up, uh, Woodshed Penco, mm. uh, which is a US Air Force veteran who now makes some very, very seductive looking pens. I'll have so to put that in the show. Do notes. not go there. Do not look that up because you will end up buying a pen. <laughs> and to um, not see that link, do not look in the show notes. Absolutely. Do not go there because that will cost you money. Um, uh, and that's that's the end of the correspondence from me. What have you got, CJ? Uh, not a whole lot, but uh, I did an, have an interesting conversation about the un- upcoming Plumbago 4, uh, which is the magazine issued by the Erasable Podcast. I do want to say anything. Um, but uh, what they're doing for their upcoming 100th episode on Erasable and Plumbago is really cool. And uh, I'm all for it. And so Plumbago looks really good. Can't wait to read that. And uh, 100 episodes of Erasable is brilliant. It's really good to see them reach those big, big numbers because I know it's tough to, to wrangle two people. And I'm sure a third makes it infinitely harder to arrange schedules. So to make it to 100 episodes is fantastic. So well done, all three of you. Very, very good. And, uh, you know, analog buddies across the ocean. Indeed. And I think Plumbago 4 is open now for pre-orders. That's the one. Yep. It'll be in the show notes. Go and buy it. It is a great magazine. And you can't buy it in Eason's. You can't buy it in WH Smith. You can only buy it on the internet. Yeah. Go ahead and, and order it from the States this time if you're if you're in Europe and UK. Although um, I am talking with the guys um, about finding a way that we can sort of mass ship it. So get a load over to okay. uh, Nero's Notes and then I can get it out to people at local shipping costs. So, um, you know, if you look at if it costs $30 to bring a whole load of them across, mm-hmm. um, to, if it costs $30 to bring 30 of them across for the sake of argument, then... We'll say, okay, that's $1 for each person. And then if it costs me 80p to, to post it, then we'll charge $1 plus 80p. So, yeah, that's pretty reasonable, yeah. As free as we can. Um, just because you know shipping costs from the States are, funnily enough, quite high. But that might take a little while to work out. That might be a you know, <laughs> Plumbago 5 thing. Yeah, a longer um, term so, project. Yeah, get in there and order it would be my advice. It's, yep. uh, I, I got uh, the first one I got uh, the PDF of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, it was brilliant. But I think I, I missed out a little bit and not actually having the one that you can touch and feel. If I'm ever over, I'll bring my original because I have all of them so far. Yeah, I may have to mug you for that, though. <laughs> you, you might want to bring protection. We can photocopy it for you, and you'll have the tactile feel of paper. Oh, I, I can hear the copyright lawyers. Andy Wolf is over there <laughs> right now talking to his lawyer, saying they're going to photocopy it. That's a breach of rights. I think we've now found ourselves at the main topic. Good Lord, there's a topic? There is a topic, 37 we've got about minutes 10 minutes in. left. <laughs> Shall we jump back to what we're listening to? Because I think that is integral to the topic. Let's start there. What are you listening to, CJ? So at your request, I spent this afternoon while I was working on a laser cut project listening to Tin Drum by Japan. Have I got that right? Japan is the is the band, right? Correct. Okay, so Tin Drum by Japan, which was a very interesting listen. Um, I've written in the show notes, challenging. 
Not because and I've of... studiously avoided commenting on your note in the show notes saying <laughs> challenging. So I went into this to the best of intentions because I know you wanted me to like it. And I don't dislike it. It's just very far removed from the, a lot of the stuff I would listen to normally. And I, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's a good suggestion then. Um, I get what they're doing. And there was bits of it that I really enjoyed. I can't help but feeling that the main singer is going to cough and then his voice is going to go back to normal. Because it kind of feels like he's he's putting on a weird voice. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. David Sylvian, um, a difficult fellow, it has to be said. Um, in, in the true sort of old-fashioned spirit of rock and roll singers, um, he had a, a, a great habit of falling out with his bandmates. <laughs> It's funny, actually. I mean, I'll, I'll admit to you that I listened to Tin Drum today because Tin Drum was um, it was an album that came out in 82. Uh, Japan were quite sort of peripheral at the time. Nobody really had heard much about them. They hadn't mm-hmm. had much commercial success. Um, and tin drum didn't really change that i think one song of it ghosts which i think is probably the best song on it did really well that that charted um or it, it didn't go to number one but it was in the top 10 i think um and then it was years later that it, that album got recognition from i don't know who from melody maker or nme or somebody um who sort of retrospectively made it the best album of 1982 <laughs> Um, because it was, um, it was, it was really different. I mean, it was, I'd heard nothing like it. Um, the time that I heard it, I would have been probably 83, 84 that I sort of started getting, getting hold of this stuff. Um, but listening to it today, I was, I, I love Ghosts. I think that's a wonderful song. It's a brilliant track and it, it just tied in amazingly with all the angst that I was feeling as a teenager in, uh-huh. in England. Um, but then some of the other stuff I was listening to going, yeah, this is, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not good, not great. <laughs> All right. But yeah, you know, meh, as I think the Americans would say. Yeah. I mean, it's the um, same with some of the music I listened to when I was a teenager and I, 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 I have a soft spot in my heart for it. But when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I like the music, but this was very much 16 year old me. It is not. 26 year old me yeah yeah and i mean i think yeah sort of opening that up into our our topic we we sort of we did mention several episodes ago that we should try and challenge each other to listen to some different stuff yeah and i think the, um, be- the best way to do that is just list a whole bunch of music with links uh, and everybody mm-hmm. can follow in this uh, auditory journey and listen mm. to some of the music that i think is important to both of us uh, for different reasons yeah, and I don't know about you, um, when you were quite busy today. I mean, I spent much of the afternoon, um, A, discovering a thing called YouTube. You should have a look, you'd like it. Um, <laughs> and uh, and B, just going back in time, um, listening to stuff that, um, I I must admit, I listened to all the stuff that I was telling you to listen to first <laughs> uh, and sort of got lost in this, this nostalgic uh, trip backwards. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't even put links to all of my stuff because the list, the list just kept growing. 
Um, and then I listened to the stuff that you were referencing back to. Um, you and your sports coat. Um, <laughs> are you aware that there was music made in Britain and Europe? Um, yes. Uh, let me see. Which one of these? None of your list. No, no, no. None no. of your list is British. Marty Wilde. I don't. Teenager okay. in Love. Your, that is a British Your song. afterthought throwbacks. <laughs> Fine. But your teenage kicks. And, uh, okay, pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, because I know from the chat room that many of our listeners are, are closer to my age than TJ's. So, <laughs> Angels and Airwaves. Yeah. No, no, I had neither. Uh, Blink 182. 182. I, 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 yes, indeed. And ironically, the song is called What's My Age Again? Uh, Green Day. Okay. I, I've heard of them, at least. That's a great start. And, uh, and Metallica. Okay. Great band. Fantastic band. But they're all American. Yeah. My formative years, given my funky accent, were incredibly inspired by America. And uh, well, there you go. And yet, if you listen to any American podcast, you'll hear them all talking about British music. Well, see, it's, I'm not I'm only listing the ones that I can think of clearly in my memory from my childhood. Um, I still listen to The Police. Uh, that's from my dad. My dad gave me the records for those. And I remember mm-hmm. listening to some of those like when I was listening to um, Japan, I was going, this is really mm-hmm. good, but I wish I was listening to The Police because it's the same time period and I like the songs better. <laughs> I listened to The Police because of my dad. He gave me the records mm-hmm. for those and a lot of the 80s. Music. I like your dad already. Yeah, 80s, Blondie, The Police. I mean, these are still formative parts of my my sort of teenage years, but they were kind of ancillary. These mm-hmm. were the those those bands you've named. Those are the core components of 16 and 17-year-old TJ. Uh, mm. And I listened far and wide at a lot of different things and did the the normal thing, you know, grew my hair down to my shoulders and joined a band. And we did all of that and it was fantastic and we were terrible. But those are the songs, not necessarily the specific songs, but sort of standout songs that I would listen to on occasion now that I can mm. remember as a teenager listening to. Um, and they're not that old. I'm not that old, but yeah, they are very much the the kind of highlights of my childhood. Well, I've I've now got an image of of TJ in a sports coat, <laughs> listening to uh, American new post punk. Um, and I, I don't know if you've read Joe Lydon's comments. He he was not a great fan of Blink that number. Nope, never heard. Yeah, there's there's so many show notes for me to write down here. Indeed, there, well, there's there's a lot of these you can just I think copy and paste in. And yeah, I mean, um, I'm physically writing show notes as well because this is an analog podcast, so I have to have my little <laughs> notebook. Of course, I'm I'm sitting here writing notes too, uh, just to help me remember. Uh, but the as I, say, I stopped doing the links because I was just getting carried away. And if you look at something like you know. I don't know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Nirvana. What do you link to? You'll find them. so many good songs. Or, as you said, The Police. Or, I don't know, let's go real back, Deep Purple. Um, But I've got, I think we have to, maybe, I don't know, monthly or something, we'll have to just do an album each. Yeah, I think that's probably Um, the best way to do it. And and send each other back, because there are are some sort of really... um, brilliant albums that I don't think you would necessarily be aware of and and almost certainly the same way because there's a whole sort of 
decade and a half where I went abroad and, and music sort of just disappeared entirely from my life. Wow. Um, I'm sure that I missed a load of good stuff. Is that when you were and in Eastern also, Europe? Yeah. I mean, it's not that it wasn't there. It was just it wasn't really part of what I was doing. So um, I know our, our social life was all was all about being out and in pubs and mostly Irish pubs, in fairness. So, you know, the Irish Rover was was a big part of the 1990s for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's some great albums that I, I think sometimes people just miss. And I'm sure that they apply equally to me. I'm sure there's some great 80s albums that I never heard. Um, but I was getting I was getting some support in the Slack room. The Slackers, uh, the, there's certainly Vanessa. I, th- I think we're in the same sort of age bracket. And we started swapping notes on New Romantics, um, which you probably had to Google what that was. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So you, um, let, me look, yeah. let me look at your list here. We've got uh, Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground. Never heard. Yeah. Uh, Bauhaus, straight over my Bauhaus. head. Uh, is this two different bands or is this an album by Japan? I've got Japan. Uh, it's two the, different the, bands. The 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 yeah. um, the the ba- the album is called Soul Mining, um, and that's what the link is to. Uh, it's an amazing oh. album. Every um, song on that is good. Killing Joke, um, I think I've heard of. Uh huh. Again, new romantics, lots of makeup, hairspray. You <laughs> uh, too. I I know you too. I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. That that's old. You too. That I think that's the um, that's the Live Aid uh, performance that I've linked to there. Before they started putting albums on people's smartphones without the permission. <laughs> yeah, this was 1985 when you were probably what seven or something. If that, oh, three. 1985. Um, try minus six. <laughs> oh dear well it was a great gig I was there and I enjoyed it thanks very much uh, Simple Minds I've heard of them uh huh and Big Country uh, sounds yeah. like a radio station never heard of it <laughs> no so, so Simple Minds Big Country often in the same sentence okay um, okay big sort of guitar sound and then we move up to the rockabilly years and I'm seeing more names yeah, than when, I, I know. When I was um, 16, I went to um, college. So I um, I left public school um, with a size 10 boot print on my arse. I got kicked out. Um, and I went to uh, a technical college, which was a kind of A-level college, 16 to 18, that, that sort of age bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met a guy called Pip, uh, who... Uh, it became my A-style icon uh, and be a really good friend. <laughs> and he uh, was and is a rockabilly. Okay. And we used to go to a pub called The Springer. And it was literally, you, know, you, you would go there and there were sort of 1950s cars outside. Uh, all the guys were wearing perfectos and had quiffs and were wearing, um, I'm going to, brothel creepers. There you go, but no idea what they are either. I'm gonna have um, to write that in the show notes because people are <laughs> And yeah, we were just, you know, hanging out, sort of, you know, singing Eddie Cochran songs and um it was all Czech shirts, white t shirts. Um think think sort of Greece. Okay, yeah. Um, I know Eddie Cochran, I know Elvis, so I'm already yeah, more comfortable. Uh, that that was a that was a big sort of period of I suppose a couple of years I was just hugely into that. And that's my list kind of goes 
chronologically it goes through sort of I, I can see myself growing up as I read down through the list um, and what I was listening to at various stages so your music um, actually moves linearly with you growing up mm. mine does the opposite mine kind of starts with relatively modern stuff stuff that would have been quite modern whenever I was listening to it and mm-hmm. then goes further back and further back and further back until we hit the 40s Yep, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Once you get down to the throwbacks, yeah. But uh I mean the throwbacks there are you know, those we are pretty much agreed on all of those. I would um I'd happily listen to any of those. Yeah. So a lot of my um, interest in older music came from playing the Fallout games, which have amazing soundtracks uh, that are mm-hmm. just plucked from these old radio recordings and marvelous stuff. So Tennessee Ernie Ford, Ink Spots, Billy Holiday. Eddie Arnold, Marty Wilde, Fats Domino, Little Richard, Buddy Holly. There's a full album, a full playlist that I will put in the show notes of just music mm-hmm. from Fallout games. And it's oh, some really, really good music there. I already liked bits and pieces of it from, you know, hearing on the radio or, you know, listening to covers and stuff and then going back and listening to the original artist. But when I found those games and discovered the music that someone else had curated within those games, it was a total game changer. And that is a massive part of the music I listen to at the moment is music made in the between the 50s and the 60s sometimes earlier that would be predominantly Mm -hmm. what I listen to on a day-to-day basis one of the things that I um looked at and it got me thinking was um uh, we may have touched on this before I had a conversation with somebody I don't know if it was with you (laughs) my age showing again um (laughs) but uh, Glastonbury last year, there were two, so, well, there were three big headline acts for the three nights. So there was Ed Sheeran on uh-huh. last night. Um, let's not get into whether he's great or terrible or whatever, but he did his little one-man show with um, his link tracks, his loop tracks. Yeah. So he sort of recur- records every loop and repeats it. It was very clever. Um, and that got a sort of great reception from some people. Other people thought it was horrible. So that's that's pretty much perfect for a Glastonbury um, sort of cl- closer. That's what they, they aim for. And the two nights before, the first night you had um, the Foo Fighters. So you can guess what I thought of them. Yeah. Um, they were loud. They were long. They were full of energy. Um, it was an amazing gig. And very sort of old school. Uh, they're a rock band and they just rock. Um, and then the next night was, um, and I've, I've already I've instantly forgotten their name, <laughs> which is not great, is it? Um, Radiohead. There you are. I know one um, song. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the good one. <laughs> um, and then they have a lot of, um, sort of sound stage. Uh, you know, this is a 37 minute song that sort of rolls on and, and people were absolutely raving about it um unless they were over 40 in which case they were going well that's pink floyd but not as good (laughs) (laughs) and it it just got me into thinking how derivative a lot of the stuff is yeah i mean totally Um, i mean it's like movies they all go in circles nothing's original it's just a pastiche of 10 other things yeah it's just a remake isn't it i mean the 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 Bauhaus um, link there is to um, the Ziggy Stardust song. You know, it's the it's the Bowie song. Uh, 
they just do a slightly heavier version of it, which sort of appeals to my my musical taste. But, you know, I was thinking, good Lord, even even back then, I was already into sort of derivatives that um, I think I probably discovered Bauhaus before I discovered Bowie. <laughs> and then you went back and listened to the original and went, nah, I like this better. Yeah. And then, you know, when, when you discover Bowie, the, the, the scary thing about that is you discover that you've only met one of them and there were eight. You know, so you you get into Ziggy Stardust and then somebody says, oh, yeah, but the Thin White Duke was better. And you think, what? Or I did. I was completely mystified. I had no <laughs> idea what people were talking about. Um, and eventually, if you go back far enough, you'll find him singing sort of Cockney folk songs. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, it just struck me as, as I was looking at, uh, well, not looking. The the first thought I had when I saw your list was Angels and Airwaves you've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I flicked on that that one you've linked to, Epic Holiday. Yeah. And the first thing that I thought was, hmm, funny that a videographer would like this because it is an amazing <laughs> video, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliantly produced, fantastic imagery. Just that that song, I, I does that song work as well without the video? I don't know, because I found the video quite compelling. Mm-hmm. I found the music mildly annoying. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, I don't feel so bad for not liking yours that much then. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, none taken. But um, um, they yeah. they were the, the the sort of successor to, to Blink 18.2 or 182. Sort of, yeah, 182, 18.2, whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, it's one member from that. Uh, and then the right, other band. Okay. there's a lot of splits there was you know boxcar racer and there was uh several other bands that kind of split and, and formed out of blink 22 and then they came back and then they went away again and they came back it's extremely complicated and not that interesting but uh yes there is a core member of blink 22 in there but it was very much his kind of spacey techno music rather than you know the basically pop punk hmm. but uh just on the topic of being derivative uh, if you want derivative songs, listen to the Ink Spots. Their music is amazing, but every song is the same four chords, and they genuinely mm-hmm. play it at the start of every song. They play the same little lick, and every song, it's amazing. Oh wow! I shall have to look, look at that because <laughs> that was the one on that list. I was thinking Tennessee, Ernie Ford. I'm not sure about that. Ink Spots. I'm not sure. And then I started getting comfortable. Ben yeah. Holiday, Marty Wilde. So Tennessee, Ernie Ford. Listen to the song called Sixteen Tons. If you're not familiar with the song, you'll be familiar with some of the tropes that are in it. And okay. the Ink Spots, uh, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, is one of their most popular ones. Um, and I've immediately forgotten everything else they've ever written. But they all sound very similar. All right, cool. Well, um, I think we can probably go on it. Oh, did you did you uh, check out Rockin' 1000? Have I, have I forced you into that before? No, I have it on the, the thing here. I'm I'm tempted to click it, but I don't want to ruin the audio track, so I will click it whenever we are finished. And then the response. You may have heard talk of it. It's um uh it's Italian. Um and it's uh they they basically did a cover of a song because they wanted the band of that song to come and perform in their small Italian town. <laughs> Um, is that ringing any bells with you? Oh, is this the Foo Fighters one? Yeah. So um, there's a thousand musicians um, doing Learning to Fly. 
and yes, that on its own is worth watching to watch the you know syncopated drumming it's, it's just brilliant it's fantastic um what what to me just makes it all work is that the Foo Fighters um saw it Dave Grohl um basically did a video back saying all right you're on um and they came back and did a kick <laughs> Uh, which to me that I mean that's the power of social media right there. It sounds like a real Dave Grohl thing to do though. Yeah, I mean I think it plays to his uh his strengths. The other thing I would say is his Italian accent, very impressive. Um I think there must be some uh some Italian in the Grohl family somewhere. Okay. Excellent. Uh so yeah, I think we could probably talk all day long. I have a few more. Uh I think you have a couple more. Uh, none of them. Oh, well, Nirvana, I know. Pearl Jam, I know. Guns and Roses. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, but the the farm, the Levelers, Happy Mondays. I'm drawing blanks. Well, yeah. I mean, bearing in mind where you went to university, young man. Um, that's that's all Manchester. Okay, so I did listen to that. some northern northern music when I was there. Uh, stuff mm-hmm. like uh, Arctic Monkeys and things like that. But that's a lot more contemporary than I imagine you were listening to. Yeah. Yeah, the the yeah the, the Happy Mondays um, and and the farm were the big. I mean, Levelers were slightly different, but um, the Happy Mondays were, were kind of at the hacienda, um, which was a big nightclub. Oh yeah, no, I do remember that. It wasn't there obviously yeah. when I was there, but I remember where it was. Yeah, listen to that. That that stuff. I think I'm um, looking at your taste. That's probably going to fit reasonably well. That was you know at its time. Um, and then eventually it spawned, or I suppose you could argue it spawned things like um, the uh, Oasis and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask you, um, if you hover over, let's say, the Happy Mondays now, do you get a little drop down? If I hover, yeah, I do. On, <laughs> that's uh, um, Apple are wandering around doing some very funky oh, stuff no. with this application. Yeah. Artists on Apple Music, Pop, Manchester, England. Uh, yeah, you can link straight into a song. Right, hold on, I'm going to try <laughs> it. This really is going to cool. be a copyright strike probably, but we'll give it a go. See if this plays. Yeah, it's very Oasis. <laughs> um, I, I just love that feature. It's cool because you can do it with Metallica as well. Guns N' Roses doesn't work. Doesn't work. I've, I presumably I've, I've got the, the space in the wrong... Uh, or the, the uh, the punctuation wrong in some way, but Pearl Jam works. Nirvana doesn't work. They couldn't get the rights to that, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, it's very clever. Very, very. Yeah, clever. it doesn't work with Angels and Airways. Possibly when you truncate with a symbol, it doesn't like it. But that's mm. really cool. Yeah, I didn't notice that until yeah, you just pointed it out. That's. Yeah, no, I I first saw it on on um, on your list. So Tennessee Ernie Ford, for example, I thought, wow, how's he done that? <laughs> um, oh yeah, here we go. Let's let's try this. Oh yeah, I know this song. Yeah, that's Tennessee Ernie Ford. Mm, that's um, when I was growing up. That was the sort of stuff that would be on radio too. Okay, yeah, that <laughs> makes dad, sense. My dad would be playing it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my my musical taste at the moment. Venture between that kind of era and. Uh-huh. Um, Macklemore and yeah it kind of it, it does jump but everything I've named I listened to um, mm-hmm. and one of the big influences in the last sort of well I say last nine years basically in the entire time I've known Megan she's been pushing musicals on me and I was initially mm-hmm. hesitant because the filmmaker in me didn't like that they were singing 
because sound is in films is diegetic or non-diegetic and singing just breaks that. And I didn't like mm-hmm. that they were singing to camera. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, I've since gotten over that and I've seen several musicals on stage. I've seen several musicals recorded and I am thoroughly through and through a big fan. Uh, but because of Megan, a lot of the music I would listen to now comes from different musicals I had no idea existed. Um, and something I love about musicals is that the lyrics in their songs tend to be very well written and there's a lot of lyricism and interesting storytelling going on there. Whereas some songs like Blink-182 have great music, but it is just trash for teenagers. It, there's nothing <laughs> of any value in any of the lyrics. But, you know, some of the musicals are quite funny and sarcastic and there's a lot of back and forth and intrigue going on in the lyrics. And I really, really enjoy that. It's like reading good prose, but someone's singing it at you. Musicals are kind of guilty pleasure for me too. Um, When Margaret and I first started seeing each other, uh, I bought tickets to um, Mamma Mia, the the stage show, the the ABBA thing. Um, And I wasn't that sure I was going to love it, but I thought she might. Um, And actually I was transfixed. I thought it was fantastic. Can't Um, beat a bit of ABBA. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I was dancing in the aisle, but there was <laughs> definitely some aggressive foot tapping going on. I mean, as is the British way, rhythm. Well, quite. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, don't don't tell her. But um, in the in the summer, we're going to see uh, uh, that one that you've got listed there, where there's the song Ca- Cabinet Battle one. <sighs> You're making me very um, jealous. Yeah, well, I I'd, I'd heard um, Mike Hurley. Um, podcaster of great repute uh, talking about that several times um, and just his enthusiasm for it. I thought, I've got to go see that. Hamilton is incredible. It's the only time I've ever heard someone take a cabinet battle, which is a cabinet meeting, right? It's it's basically parliament, but American. And they're talking about tax and setting up federal banks and loans. And it's the driest subject matter you've ever heard. And he somehow, Lin-Manuel managed to turn it into a diss track hip-hop song. And it is amazing. And I will not sing on the podcast, but I know every single word to that song. (laughs) I listened to the link. I did listen to it. And I thought, yeah, okay. Because for me, that was a gamble because you just said something about diss track hip-hop. I have no (laughs) idea what any of that means. But... Um, I'm listening to. I would listen to that. And I thought, okay, you can you can feel the wit. Yeah. Oh, he's a marvelous writer. He also wrote In the Heights, and then he wrote Hamilton, and oh, yeah, Hamilton is by far the sort of gateway musical for me, uh, and it is up there. I know all the songs. I love it. Um, several of my friends have been to see it. I didn't get tickets, and then didn't really pursue tickets because I, I just. I can't be bothered with a lot of that faff, but I do really want to see it at some stage. Um, so, mm. yeah, eventually I will get to see it. But I, I like the American cast and I like the American, the, the album, the studio album, if you will, that I'm mm-hmm. not sure the British accents doing American accents, doing quasi-British accents would work for me. So mm-hmm. I'm a bit hesitant, but certainly it opened the, the door wide for, for musicals. So the first one I ever listened to was Rent. Which is okay. a, it's not an old or not a new musical by any stretch, um, nope. but it's marvelous. And Meg was actually in 
uh, Amdram performance of Rent and it was really really good they were fantastic and so songs like Tango Maureen and things like that just I know all the words it's marvellous and then because of my love of Green Day uh, whenever the American Idiot uh, musical came out which is the Green Day musical mm-hmm. uh, I, we obviously had to go see that so we saw that live in Manchester and it was tremendous uh, again it's a lot of the songs from the American Idiot album that I would have listened to when I was 16 uh, but mixed with newer stuff and also turned into a full narrative stage show musical and it's class there's no other word for it it's just fantastic <laughs> it's amazing i i mean before this becomes the musical theater podcast but, um <laughs> i i play golf with a guy called neville and he's uh he's a civil servant uh works for the ministry of defense um uh, he's an an hr specialist mm-hmm. so um just just all of those things i think probably paint a picture uh, he's a golfer called Neville, works the MOD, civil service. <laughs> you know, he's, he's probably not much into hip hop. Let's, let's be fair. Um, he's a bit like me, sort of middle-aged white guy. In fact, he's, he's even older than me. And um, we, we were talking one day and I said, oh, we're going up to, to London to see We Will Rock You, which is the, the Queen musical. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it 14 times. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I go back once every couple of months. Good um, on you, Neville. Absolutely. And, yeah, as you say, he knows <laughs> the words to every song. I mean, he actually knew all the lines in the play as well. Um, wow. Spoken or sung. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's such an immersive experience when you go to a musical. I think you, you know, you suddenly got this huge sort of fiesta of movement in front of you. And clearly these guys are very good at lighting and they're very good mm-hmm. at sound. And so the whole thing just, it it's, it, to me, it's much more than cinema could ever be. Um, yeah, it's a totally it's there, different It's medium. tangible, it's real. Yeah. Um, and even ones that I look at and say, mm, yeah, not really my bag, um, like Mamma Mia or you know, Wicked or any of those things, I would look at and think, well, it's, it's not going to appeal to me at all. Every single one, I've had a great time. Um, <laughs> Wicked's amazing uh, as well. What did, uh, Ronan Keating wrote one, what did he? Uh, Once. Um, it's a kind of uh, immigrant love affair. So a uh, little Irish boy falls in love with, I believe she's supposed to be a Polish Polish nanny type okay. thing. Um, and it was brilliant. It was great. Very romantic, lovely. I couldn't believe it. I think it did reasonably well. I think it got a run in New York and all sorts. Um, and it's, it's just, as you said, there's so much work that goes into them and so much quality that's in them. That you can't fail to enjoy them. No. I'm um, Having said that, I might come out of Hamilton now going, oh, that was rubbish. But uh, No, I, I don't think you can. Somehow. I don't think you can. I will be mad with you if you do. <laughs> Because you'll have wasted that <laughs> ticket that I could have had. <laughs> well, indeed, indeed. Well, I, I have to say, we've got a, uh, well, I've got um, a really cool weekend sorted out. We're staying in a really, really posh hotel, a landmark hotel. Ooh. Um, and Margaret doesn't know where it is, doesn't know what we're going to see. Um, uh, so I'm just at the moment trying to sort of fill in the gaps and work out where to go for dinner. Uh, it'll be kind of our last, our last sort of big weekend before we move to Cyprus, so. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, a big, big weekend up in up in time. What? London, lovely. Capital <laughs> the of the big world, smoke. don't you know? <laughs> um, 
Now, you wrote a, a section here, which I'm, I'm quite interested in, because you wrote about five pages and I wrote three words. So <laughs> how do you use music? So I use music for different things and I use different music for different things. Um, and I've kind of tried to set it out. And this is in no way fully encapsulating, but um, productivity, uh, like repetitive tasks that require less mental effort, sort of graphics work or handwork if I'm doing something paper-based or whatever, um, not editing or any writing. I'll generally mm -hmm. listen to more electronic and hip-hop stuff with a driving up-tempo beat, something that can sort of spur you on, give you a little bit of energy. Um, to calm down, I'll typically listen to more background music that I don't need to, it doesn't necessarily have lyrics. It's not about, you know, setting a, a tempo. It's maybe if I'm taking a shower, losing around the house, you know, it's very hands-off, more like classical or instru instrumental music. Um, and sometimes if I'm trying to set a specific tone, uh, so if I'm working on a piece that is you know, maybe vintage graphics or something that is of a certain time period or a certain place or a certain kind of thing, I'll try and match the music a little bit uh, if I can. Uh, so if it's a certain time period, I'll listen to music from in and around. Then if you're trying to do anything retro, listening to old music puts me in that headspace immediately of how mm -hmm. to, to think and how to process information in that way, which can be really helpful. And it's not something I have to do all the time, but I do really enjoy it. And so that's why I think so much of the older music has stayed with me because I do really enjoy the, maybe it's something like with records, it's that kind of tactile scratch and a little bit of a hiss and a whine and the, the recordings are not perfect. And I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, I try and do different things for different experiences. And that's not novel. Everybody does that. You don't listen to classical music in the gym or maybe you do but it's not the norm uh sure typically i will listen to music most days in very different places so i have my own office and work i'm very lucky that way and the office next to mine is empty and the other side of my wall is a staircase so i have no neighbors and i can blast my music because the other wall is external so i can just blast music in my office which is very very pleasant so if I get into the office at five past eight, the music will be on until about five to five, unless I'm doing something like writing or video editing, in which case it will go off. Uh, on my morning commute, if I'm not listening to a podcast or an audiobook, which I most often am, I'll be listening to music. But I kind of see when I'm when I'm traveling, I like to have content rather than music. I don't know why, just I've fallen into that habit. And I listen to all my music on an old Sony Bluetooth headset that my dad bought me 10 years ago, which is kind of like the advent of Bluetooth headsets. But I've just ordered some really, really fancy 250-pound Sennheiser noise-canceling headphones uh, through mm -hmm. work, so I'm not buying them personally, uh, ostensibly to do editing with, but I'll be listening to a fair bit of music through them as well. And I am very excited. My brother has the same ones, and they are marvelous, but... I'm very much looking forward to blocking out all of the other people on my commute. <laughs> and at home, uh, when we had our own house, I when we rented back in England anyway, I would blast music pretty much the same as the office. Uh, we're staying with relatives at the minute while we sort of sort out buying a house, and so I don't feel I don't feel right blasting music because I'm sure their tastes are not the same as mine. Um, but I will listen to music, just maybe not as as voluminous. Uh, but once we get our house. 
we are buying a detached house specifically because I don't want neighbours uh, so that we can, well we have neighbours but they'll not be attached to us so that I can blast music very loudly all over the house. Well, with the exception of Blink-182, there's no need to blast that anywhere, to be honest. <laughs> you got a real stick about those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've just found a soft spot. I'm going to keep prodding it. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I um, I do a lot of writing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have to have music, actually. Um I'm trying to think whether I do pick certain types. I tried some of that um, sort of, you know, music for concentration type uh, stuff that you find on on the the playlists and all that sort of thing. Um, And I I didn't find it really worked for me. If the the music sort of fades away into the background, um, then I immediately try and put some music on. And it's all, oh, I go, oh, it's already playing. Yeah, there is some music. Yeah, it doesn't um, work for me either. Yeah, so I, I, I'm really at the moment. Obviously, I'm really into my vinyl, and I love the um, the punctuation that it gives you. Uh, so if you listen to to an album, then you have to go and turn it over. Um, it, it very much, you know, it's getting you up from your desk. It's making you walk a few paces. You can go and fill your water bottle. You can do all the, you know, the healthy stuff you're supposed to be doing. Um, and it creates those little little time capsules where, you know, you're for, for that period, that side of the album, you're focused on something. And then you take a little minute out to turn it over and reset and get back in. I think it's, it's quite a healthy way to work. So how long um, is an album side? 20 minutes? It depends. I mean, uh so it's an obvious thing at the moment because I'm sort of delving back into my past. I was listening to um, uh, The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Uh, and that uh, it's about two weeks, I think, one side of that album. Um, <laughs> and then there are some other some other albums that they, they kind of mucked around with it now. So uh, if you get, um, you know, a, a greatest hits of someone, um, it'll be five times the length of a normal studio album, um, but then they 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 can split them onto different discs and all that stuff. So, yeah, I guess it's somewhere between twenty minutes and forty five minutes. That's probably what you find okay. on an album. So you're almost doing like a Pomodoro technique, but with a record player rather than a tomato timer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happens. And I mean, as you say, you get into rhythm. So I walking in. Um, I'm, I'm like you. I tend to prefer content than the music when I'm commuting. Yeah. So um, that were the, at the moment is the lines from the play <laughs> um, <laughs> or a podcast. Um, and then once I get to the office, uh, I'll finish off whatever I'm listening to because I tend to be in quite early. So I'll maybe listen to the end of that podcast or another one. And then it's um, the radio comes on when Claire arrives, uh, and that tends to be tends to be there's a phone going off there somewhere that tends to be radio too um so we get ken bruce in the morning we're all playing um pop master on radio too uh there's a guy the guy this morning got 39 points tj it's very exciting um and then when when claire goes she turns off the radio because she knows i'm going to listen to a podcast or get the albums on uh, and then the rest of the day will go in a sort of mix of podcasts and, and music, depending on, not on what I'm doing, just on how I feel. 
uh, and I suppose, yeah, podcasts for me, probably, probably what you were saying, background music, that's where podcasts tend to come for me. Um, I, I find it quite easy to absorb information using sort of one third of one ear. Um, and I can sort of just get on with whatever I'm doing. Um, whereas music sometimes, if it's, if it's very, very loud, that can take my concentration away. Yeah. Perhaps this is an unpopular opinion, but I love podcasts, uh, but I despise radio. I really do not like listening to radio. I will actively turn it off every time I'm in a room and I have the choice to turn it off. And why is that? Because you don't like curated music or is it you don't it's like talk It's not so much radio? curated music. Um, generally, the, the curation of music is poor. I mean, you maybe get one out of every 10. So if you're talking statistics, it's better for me to pick my music because I'll pick stuff I like more. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, well, you can understand that. But also, I don't want to hear people I don't care about's opinion. So I don't want to hear someone ranting on about nonsense when I could go and find a qualified opinion about that if I wanted to hear about it. I just don't uh-huh. I don't get the radio. And I know that's not normal and a lot of people do. And Meg and I fight about this all the time where I'll turn the radio down and she'll turn it back up because I don't care what celebrities are doing. I don't care about what news is topical. I want to filter the information I get myself by choice rather than get it deluged by someone else. And I didn't realize how strong an opinion this was until I started talking. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I, I think I know what you mean. I think um, I would probably argue with your definition of what you don't like. I don't think it's radio that you don't like. Mm. Um, I think it's probably much of what is offered as on the radio. But, yeah, uh, you know, if you go to, um, I mean, I can, there are certain parts of the radio that I will, you know, run across a room to turn them off. Um, in, in, uh, you probably know, uh, Jeremy Vine comes on about 12 o'clock on radio too. And it's, uh, just getting lots of people angry at each other. Um, yeah. No interest. Uh, so, so at least once a week, he'll have people bellowing at each other about Brexit or, um, <laughs> some such nonsense. It's, um, I, I call it some daily mail fodder. Um, yeah, pretty much. I guess if you were in the States, you might sort of throw throw Fox News around the conversation, that sort of thing. Um, but there's also stuff like on Radio 4 that is um, well, just way above my head. Some of it's so so cerebral. It's, it's just, wow, I don't know what these guys are talking about. <laughs> um, but some of it's really, really good. Some of the, um, the science stuff that they do, um, Desert Island Discs uh, is another one that's actually... Yeah, it's a really, really good show. Um, and that actually, to be honest, I'm like you, I tend to consume that as a podcast because it is available as a podcast too. Okay, see, that's curated content. Considered content is my thing, not mm. just listening to it because it's on. And I think that's one of the things that I've very much adapted to in the modern world. I don't, We don't have to listen to the radio because it's on. We don't have to watch the TV when it's on. We can pick and choose. It can be a pick mm-hmm. and mix. Sure. But um, I just remembered one other artist, which is a somewhat unusual one. <laughs> uh, one that I actually, I can't believe I left it off the list. It is so fundamentally one of my favorites. Like it is in my top three. Um, and it's an artist that is not known for his music. He's known, but not, not for his music. Um, have you heard, ever heard of a, a man called Hugh Laurie? 
Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. As in, of Fry and Laurie. Exactly. Yes, yes, I have heard of him, yes. So he has at least two blues albums, which are incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. he's a huge blues fan. And his music, his piano, he's obviously a fantastic pianist, but the blues that he does, and he has a lot of people on one of his albums, has Tom Jones as a guest singer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. I have the records of um, Didn't It Rain, I think is the album, or I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it's a fantastic album, full of some really, really good songs. And that is my go-to for like soulful deep music that you can really really enjoy that album is my it's one of my top 10 okay and i i can feel a tj deep dive coming it's not gonna happen tonight because we're already (laughs) oh i'd hate to be editing this podcast um yeah we're a chunky one tonight have you uh have you dived deep into the blues yet yes and no i mean I, i i think i could go deeper but again i know it's a rabbit hole that i'll never get to the bottom of so part of me is hesitant. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a huge one. There's some amazing <laughs> blues artists that have been going, you know, I mean, all the way from the sort of 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Every decade has got some amazing blues artists. You know, John Lee Hooker, B.B. King, these guys, I mean, they're amazing music. Again, I think it's it's more than we have for this episode because we're already a chunky episode today. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a music too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you've got me thinking because I remember um, this would be in 1991 going to a pub in Lancaster, which is uh, a very small city in northwest England, sort of north of Manchester, to try and try and put it somewhere for, mm-hmm. for our non-British listeners. Where the bomber um, was named after? Yeah. And it's where I went to university. And we went to a little pub. Uh, where there was uh, just a local, a local band playing some blues, and I discovered the blues. Um, wow! Now I'd I'd heard the blues clearly. I you know I knew my BB King and my John Lee Hooker, um, but to hear it live and as you said, so soulful and um, yeah, that's that's sort of sparked off a little nostalgic trip in my head. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe we have to do music to blues. Um, but I will look at the Hugh Laurie album. So I've only ever heard sn- sort of snatches, little little excerpts. Yeah, he is. It's very much. And let me just quickly get that. It's bugging me not knowing the name. Um, it's very much. He's not a fantastic singer. He's a good singer, mm-hmm. but it, it's obviously not what he does. Um, Let them talk is the name of the album, and Didn't It Rain is the later one. Uh, okay. I have both. Um, let me see. There's a lot of covers. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of songs with other people. It's just fantastic. Go and listen to uh, You Don't Know My Mind, Unchain My Heart, uh, Let Them Talk. Oh, so many. Police Dog Blues, things like that. Fantastic, fantastic music. Really soulful. Well, if I wasn't having to get up in about three hours to drive uh, Margaret to the airport, then I would probably listen to one of those now. But I suspect I might listen to... Maybe not that on the way back. It's something a bit more upbeat. Maybe, yeah, maybe Blink-182. <laughs> you could just be angry the whole drive home. <laughs> well, angry is awake. <laughs> that, that's the important thing. Uh, good to know uh, it's good well, for something. This is cool. I, I've enjoyed this, mate. This is a good one. So I think we'll come back. Uh, TJ and Stuart will return in music to 
the music inning. Indeed. And I, I think we should have got rid of most of the pesky listeners by then who were all hoping to hear about stationery. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. I mean, we talked about records. That's kind of within the wheelhouse, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I did write that, didn't I? When, uh, to me, it's important. The, the, uh, the source of the music. Uh, so music sources, uh, first and foremost, live is best. If you can't listen to it live, listen to it on vinyl. Now we're getting into areas that TJ has got no idea what I'm talking about, but cassette. If you're my age, then you made mixtapes or playlists, as you might call them, TJ, (laughs) for the apple of your eye, the, the, the guy that you were in love with or the girl that you were in love with. You made a you made a tape for them with your favorite songs of the moment, and you I remember whole... recording songs off the radio onto a tape. Yeah, I remember that doing that. It. I'm not that young. Okay, that was that was the thing. That was the way to a girl's heart. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean some of the some of the rubbish that we used to do there. Good lord! But anyway, um, yeah, to, to me it's important. I I take the point that digital music is probably as good sounding as any of those things. Um, but I'll never believe it in my heart. <laughs> there you go. There's the analog plug for the episode. <laughs> there you go. Right. Well, I think we should stop talking. So uh, I will I think so. wait for you to tell me to press a button. Oh, no, we need to do outros, don't we? Yeah. So I've been Stuart Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857.